Yeah. All right. So you you, you escaped Mike uh, just fine. <laughs> yes, it's hard sometimes, but I did. That's good. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of excited. I have no idea what you do and or really much about State Auto Lab. So I'm, this is personally just kind of like a little fulfillment session for me. So um, just kind of get to know that. But um, um, yeah, that's, I don't know if you have any sort of expectations, hopes or dreams going into this, but uh, most of which will probably be disappointed, but uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love, you know, talking about what I do. What is State Auto Labs? It's a, a very new kind of venture State Auto is chasing. So telling the story of kind of where State Auto Labs, what the brainchild is, where it is today, um, and what the plans are for the future is, I think, a kind of a good outlook to fully understand State Auto Labs and what we do. So if that's okay with you, I can share that. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, I want to set, if we could, I'm just going to set, um, just, to, I just want to kind of set a baseline. I'm curious myself, why technology and why insurance? For myself? Yeah, for you personally, just to mean, you know, I mean, let's get to know each other a little bit, Haley. You know? Absolutely. So I was in high school and took a stats class and loved it, which is not a normal love for a high schooler. I was not going to judge, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my actual, my stats teacher recommended I look into actuarial science, which I didn't know what that was at the time. So I researched it, and at the time, I didn't know much about insurance other than I had it. Um, and it looked like a really up-and-coming career uh, in Ohio State, which where I wanted to attend, offered the major. So that is what I went into. It was that simple. And I stuck through it for the four years, which when I say stuck through it, I mean it because it was not the easiest major in the world. Stats, every stats class under the sun. And I did a few internships during college. And during those internships, I realized I don't think I want to be an actuary. <laughs> it was a job that required a lot of number crunching and not too much yeah. uh, decision making. And I wanted to be more on the decision making side. But I knew that the actuarial education was a good background to have a career in insurance. And by that time, I was pretty hooked on insurance because I understood from my classes, you know, what goes in on the back end of insurance. At the end of the day, you're just trying to match rate with risk. And that's a very, it sounds easy, but that's a very hard problem to solve. And I'm a numbers person. I like a challenge. So for me, I loved solving that equation. Um, so I stuck with insurance. I went into product management and during my four years in product management, I was always grabbing the fun, innovative projects versus the m mundane ones, obviously. You know, everyone mm -hmm. wants to go towards the fun stuff. <laughs> where, are you, where are you doing the product management at? Was this with State Auto? Yep, everything was with State Auto. I interned with State Auto during college, okay. and I've been here ever since, Okay. which has been right. super fun to watch, you know, the company evolve over the last five years. But um, everything was with State Auto, um, all on the personal line side, up until my new job with State Auto Labs. Um, but on the personal line side in product management, I got a chance to do a lot of smart home projects, um, new type of data projects, and I was always kind of leaning towards new innovations or the new stuff we got to do. Let's explore a space. I, I love doing that. So naturally, I bridged over um, as the first employee of State Auto Labs, which was created uh, by Kim Garland. So that's really, that was a year and a half ago, and that's kind of how I got to where I'm at today. 
So, yeah, um, that sounds like we have a lot in common, Haley. So, I mean, not really. I mean, I hate numbers, but I mean, just from <laughs> liking to do new things. Um, so, what? Let me. What? Um, what are you most excited? What do you think we're not paying the most attention to right now? Just in like the like you said, smart homes, just like stats, like numbers, like like these are are not necessarily warning signs, but like it's very clear if you're paying attention to certain things, like this is going to have a big impact. Like what is getting you excited right now? Well, that's a hard question. Um, I get to work with all of our lines of business and they're all very different, especially when you're thinking of, you know, personal auto over to workers comp. So a a few things that are really exciting me right now. um, A lot of companies are going out and capturing either with, you know, planes, drones, satellite, whatever it is, all these aerial imagery sources are rising and data companies are figuring out how to analyze these. So I can tell you, um, I can score your roof. Is your roof healthy, bad? Do I want to insure it? Do I not want to insure it? Do you have trash in your backyard? Are you a hoarder? Are you not a hoarder? (laughs) Um, Do you have 10 trees overhanging your roof, which are probably going to cost us money one day? Do you have 20 cars in your driveway at most times? Things like that that aren't data sources today are actually available now. Um, and the first insurer that can like truly figure out how to implement really unique data sources like that into their rating mechanisms is something that gets me really excited. So instead of rating based on the number of bathrooms and stories and do you have copper piping and you know things like that that are kind of those boring questions oh come on Haley, those are very relevant right <laughs> like they always know the answer to those questions right? exactly like, super super relevant um, and obviously you can't just ask someone like are you a hoarder because you probably will not you'll get a little biased of an answer with those so just some like we can't I don't know. I, I think I think I would like to ask somebody if they're a hoarder, but that, <laughs> I think I just have the personality for it. But I'd be curious um, so, how many times you hear yes. <laughs> well, then you can then you have so many follow up questions with "Are you a hoarder?" and then they say no. It's like, well, uh, at at this current time, look around your house. How many boxes of X are stacked up? And then <laughs> exactly. you kind of just and then you just kind of let them kind of do this like self discovery, and then you kind of have like a therapist lined up, maybe some sort of like de hoarding service. <laughs> I don't know. But now there's, there's an idea. I That's don't know. There's a whole thing you can do, but, um, no, all right. So obviously the, um, you know, how old is your roof? Uh, well, I think it was replaced maybe 10 years ago before I bought the house. You know, that's like a, a ridiculous question. Um, so you're, all right. So let me, it sounds like, it sounds like, let me just say this. It sounds like, are we close? Because it seems like it would be kind of, are, are you, or is it just the ability to kind of just really understand that that information and being able to apply because that's something that's going to happen basically once once you get their address right there's no questions there's no nothing exactly. it's like hey we know this about your property there's nothing you can do about it you've already made the mistake and you're going to pay for it in the form of extra premium exactly i think so the data is there today you know people have figured that out how to take you know imagery or video whatever it is and create it actually turn it into data specs what I don't think is there today, or at least not publicly, is, you know, how much truly should I increase or decrease rate per what the data is telling us? So, example, someone is a hoarder. Okay, so how much do we increase, you know, how much does the loss cost go up because someone is a hoarder? The data or the at least the analysis has not been done around that. Um, so, Got that's it. where it gets tricky of like, okay, we have this information. So, 
what do we do with it? How does that truly impact insuring this person? I mean, you can't, is there, there's not like a, like a database that says number of uh, dumpster fires that started in somebody's backyard, like based on having too much stuff, like there's not, like we don't have those yet. So we need to compile that database is what you're saying? If someone does, I would love it, but <laughs> I don't think so. And where that comes or kind of how that happens is you have to then match up the loss history. So take claims data and align it with that type of activity to say, oh, okay, so the hoarder does have, you know, 30% more claims a year than the non-hoarder or the person, you know, who has dumpster fires um, cost X amount more than. So that's where it's, a, it's lining up the loss data with that upfront data to truly figure out what the rate impact should truly be. Well, like the... Like that's, let's maybe take roof and obstructions or like tree branches, right? Like that's something that could probably be action. Absolutely. That's not a word. That feels like something that could happen pretty quickly. Absolutely. That, that data we have, we know, you know, our loss history around people with X, X type of roof or that live in this zip code with this many trees in the yard, that stuff we could figure out today. It's the stuff like no one knew in the past who are their hoarders or not hoarders or who are their, you know, even like social media is an interesting one. Could we someday, you know, have that impact some type of rating? There's a lot of just these external data sources arising um, that tell us more about an insured than we've ever known in the past. So how how can we turn that into value adds for both the insured and the insurance company? And when I say insured, that's important too, because there's a lot of good risks out there that deserve way more of a discount than they're receiving a day. Um, We just don't know they're that good of risk. But so it goes both ways. People always think of it, you know, as a bad thing. But for the good risks out there, they should be paying way less than they probably are today. We just don't know that data to know we should be giving them that discount. So it's, it's super interesting. So let, let me, I want to hear your take on the people that are like, I don't want you in my business messing with my life, <laughs> even though it's technically like public, like information, like sort of thing. But this would, in some cases, I'm going to throw it way back to like enemy of the state, Will Smith style. I don't know if you go that far back, Haley, but you know, they're just like freaking out about, you know, people bugging their house. You know, it's like, yep. what, what, how, how do we, how do we, how do we get the big brother syndrome kind of out of it? And like, again, obviously tossing the word discount out helps. Um, but you know, when you, when you're kind of pushing into this new territory, um, people don't like it sometimes. Absolutely. And I, obviously I think and talk about that a lot. And what I always go straight to is anyone with a smartphone, that smartphone is collecting way more data than I'm ever talking about or thinking about that smartphone knows every little thing about your lifestyle, where you're at, what you're doing, who are you with? Um, so it's there today, the type of, you know, big brother. I don't think people... Not, Haley, people don't know that, though, so don't freak them out too much. We want them to keep listening. <laughs> like, they don't know that this is happening. So. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I think what it all comes down to is fairness at the end of the day. Um, some people deserve, based on their lifestyle, a much deeper discount than they're seeing today, and some people deserve, a, you know, paying a greater rate based on how they live their life. And we can all, we can figure that out through data. Um, the big brother thing, it, it's happening. I mean, 10 years ago, no one wanted a smartphone or a smartphone with GPS capabilities. I think it's just that evolution of technology. Now we yeah. have Amazon Alexa's living in, you know, a huge amount of houses. The cars are all connected cars that are being manufactured today. It's really, it's unavoidable. 
um, the data is with everything, whether your insurance company is involved or not, the data is being collected. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fully with you. I just, I, there's this like kind of like awkward teenage year sort of, you know, phase that we kind of have to get through when people kind of realize like it's, I mean, obviously it can be used maliciously, you know, there's, there's, there's bad things for it, but um, just obviously if, if we're using it for at least good intentions, you know, hey, we want to save you money or hey, just more information is going to give us um, a kind of a better idea of, of, of how much to charge you. How, how far... And this is kind of my fascination. How far until we get to, instead of the, you know, we're going to give you a rate once every six months or 12 months, how, how far away are we from, you know, that rate being real time is probably a strong word, but, you know, a little bit more of a living, breathing thing. Oh, that's a great question. I don't ever talk or think about that too much. Um, we're always talking about making the rating more accurate, but not making it more frequent. Um, so, when you say that, the first thing that comes into my head is, you know, the work that goes behind rating a policy. Um, yeah. Not only are we rating it, but the consumer has to see it. They have to do an e-sign process to accept that rate. There's a lot of work every time we would change a rate that happens behind the scenes and a manual, you know, with the agent and consumer. Yeah. So I personally, as a consumer, wouldn't want that to happen too often because that means right. I have to sign a new piece of paper, blah, blah, blah. Um, but technically it could become a more frequent thing but then that's an opportunity for a consumer to potentially shop so do we want to open the floodgates to say hey we're gonna change your rate now or you could not accept the new rate and you know go elsewhere so i think that's a really it's a balancing act of how often do we want to reevaluate the risk but also how often do we want to give the opportunity for the consumer to leave let me let me try it let me try it this way because i think you're right so maybe maybe uh, tracking the rate from an internal standpoint of saying um you know just you guys kind of looking that over this whatever x period of time six months you know we saw rate spikes potentially where we could have adjusted to you know t you know 10x or whatever the number might be um to um, you know, kind of maybe get an average, right? Do we think is underwriting there or if you were to kind of maybe create some type of, you know, like we said, more of like a, I just think of like lungs, inhaling and exhaling sort of thing. Um, if, if that were to be beneficial to you guys and then ultimately determining the frequency in which renewals happen, which, you know, we hate, we all hate renewals, but um, would that be a benefit or am I just, am I getting ahead of myself? I'm probably getting ahead of myself. So it's fully, fully free to tell me that. No, I, I mean, I think so knowing things real time about the risk we insure is super important. And, you know, that can all the way be from weather events. So ca catastrophes that roll through, being able yeah. to help the consumer through those, um, knowing when you put an addition on your house, things like that um, are super beneficial. Because for one, we want to make sure your policy is covering the risks that you have. And a lot of times, you know, through a life cycle, consumers do things and probably the first thing on their mind is not, hey, let me call my agent, let them know I just did this. Yeah. Um, so that, that real time underwriting, I think is much closer than we think. Um, and the data is there today. It's really, the trick is how do we ingest it and make it, make it actionable without well, manually doing all of that. Yeah. Well, so here's the, here's the, I think here's the trade off, right? And this is the interesting thing. I think here's the benefit to the consumer, in my opinion, is the biggest question that you know, we ask or we have to answer or deal with as agents and they ask as consumers is, am I covered for that, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
in a real-time scenario, much like the addition, right? Let's say, you know, they're adding on, but they didn't tell their agent and they needed, you know, builder's risk or whatever. Um, if that is able to be detected, you know, then it's again, hey, um, John and Nancy, I was, I was going to say Smith, but your last name is <laughs> John and Nancy Smith. Uh, I'm going with it, Haley. Um, apologies <laughs> for the generalization on your last name, but um, happens all the time. You know, um, you guys, looks like you guys are putting on a nice kitchen. It's going to be great, I'm sure. Um, by the way, did you know, blah, 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 push notification, add this to policy, you know, yes, whatever, right? Um, sort of thing. Um, the, the comfort of knowing that, you know, whatever I'm doing in my life, my insurance would necessarily adjust around that as opposed to me having to adjust my insurance for my life. Oh, that kind of sounded fun. Uh, what is that? I mean, what do you think about that? No, I, I think that's something um, we've talked about as a company. I know people are doing in the industry. I think that's something that's here now. Um, it's just yeah. maybe not a major, you know, or known thing, but the capabilities are there. Um, so whether it's an addition on the home or, Hey, we saw you just got hit with an unfortunate weather event. Um, here's the damage we saw because nowadays you can go get aerial imagery, you know, updated monthly. So it's very easy to do what you're talking about. It's just staffing or putting it in your process that makes it a real automated thing. So how can the agents get notified of those things? without adding a huge workload or, you know, how can our claims team be ready to go on that without having a manual process around it? So just basically making it work inside of our existing processes today is really all that needs done. But that I think is happening today. And it's super exciting, not only from the insurance perspective, but what a great, you know, consumer experience knowing that my insurer is looking out for me when I do these things, or my agent is looking out for me when I do these things. It gives the um, agent a ton of more leverage when it comes to that user experience. Yeah. So now let's bring it back home a little bit to, to like state auto labs. I mean, what, I mean, how is all of that? Like, what's like kind of your like kind of current mission or that you can speak of? I mean, obviously, you know, you're in the lab, so it's kind of secret stuff, but (laughs) no secret stuff. Well, you never know. I mean, I don't know what Um, I mean, like what's, what's some of your driving kind of philosophies, initiatives, or, you know, just in general. Yeah, so we, uh, the lab is really, I spend 90% of my time working with startups who are in this space and bringing them inside State Auto, getting them to know, in, introduced to the business. Um, and then we talk to them potentially from an invest in, investing perspective as well. Um, so a lot of what I'm working with is actually the startups doing it. It's just how do we get it executed inside State Auto? Um, so the startup space is moving crazy fast in the insure tech world and it's super, super exciting. Some things that, um, we're working on currently as sensors. So whether it's telematics, smart home wearables for our workers comp line of business, um, there are all these sensors that exist today, um, that consumers are using that can help us better understand that risk. Um, and also help us better understand the customer for a better customer journey. So being able to package those with our products is super exciting. We have a telematics product out today. We're launching this month our smart home program, uh, which is super exciting. And then on the wearable side, you know, that has more of a benefit from a business owner than it does for us as a company. So that one's really exciting that we're able to offer that or partner with a few companies there. Um, and then obviously the sensors create a lot of data. So then talking to analytics companies on how can we most efficiently and in real time utilize this data. 
Um, and a great example is on the claim side. So when you have a loss, do, can we, is there data that exists today that you as a consumer are producing um, that we could help better settle your claim quicker, more efficiently, and more accurately? Um, so I think there's a ton of innovation and uh, opportunity on the claim side of things, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, so let me, so obviously the claims process now leaves a little, little to be desired, right? As far as just, you're already dealing with something you don't want to mm-hmm. being like something's broken, um, possibly physically or whatever. And, um, you've got to now deal with an insurance company and an adjuster and all these fun mm-hmm. things. So, I mean, how, how close are we to getting to that kind of scenario to where again, like much like the roof example that you gave of, Hey, we saw that you've got like six shingles that are out of place. We can help. Yeah. Um, actually we're doing that today. So with our smart home program that's launching this month, um, we'll be able to see that data during a claim settlement. So, you know, your basement flooded, we can know exactly when the water was detected. You know, if you have the sensors where the loss happens to be and things like that, we'll also be able to use in the claims process, you know, we call up John Smith, who's my dad. No, I'm just kidding. That's not my dad. What's your dad's name? Steve? Tim. Like Steve. Pretty close. Tim Smith. <laughs> Tim Smith. Uh, we call up Tim Smith and say, hey, Tim, do you know both the sensors you have in your basement are detecting water right now? Um, you might want to check that out. Let us know if we can do anything yeah. to help. Can we get a restoration company out there? Yada, yada. So we're doing that today on the smart home, which is super exciting. So, okay. I want to definitely get to the smart home. Um, but real quick on the, on the claims initiation process. So basically what you're saying is loss is detected. Like basically the claim files, like almost immediately opened up. It's like, Hey, Tim Smith, uh, is, is, has got a situation happening here. People like, let's get on it. We're ready to go. So basically you're prepping the table sort of thing for the claim. You know, you're, you know, sterilizing everything. Is that kind of where we're at right now? Yeah. And, uh, and, to be candid or um, just to make sure it's accurate there, we are only opening a claim, obviously, with the consent of the consumer. So, you know, we have to get confirmation first. So we don't just automatically do it without talking to someone first. Um, but that way we're getting that first notice of loss much earlier so we can act much quicker and more efficiently. Um, so, yes, that is happening today, if that answers your question. So all good things. Yes. OK, so now smart home. Here we go. Um I'm like rubbing my hands together in like excitement. You can't see me. <laughs> I can, I can uh, picture it. Can, can you hear it? I'm, yes. I'm like here. I'm just going to put up to the mic. Just um, So most, I'm not generalizing most people in like a negative way, maybe a little bit, but uh, the smart home is like just something they hear about, right? So there's, there's, it's, it's in the early adoption phase. Would that be fair? Would that be a fair assessment in your opinion? Um, so how I like to put it is there's the sexy and the non-sexy products. The sexy products yes. are not in the early days. They're, very much adopted today and what i'm referring to is a smart thermostat a smart oh you know the virtual uh, oh, system hold on, Haley. hold on Haley. a smart thermostat really you think it's widely adopted really um well most new homes are being built with one um well for one i don't know what you mean by widely adopted so when i a new, for so a new I technology mean, i think it's a pretty a lot of utility companies are giving them out for little to no cost sure. so I must not have the right utility company. <laughs> yeah, um, you need to switch. I, well, so I, I, let me, my, my, so basically it's like the grandma test. Like when my grandma starts asking me about it, then I feel like we've hit like a certain okay. saturation point. But even, let me, let me back, let me backpedal. I'm going to take one step back from grandma level. I'm going to go with um, 
I guess I'm not in my neighbor's house all that often, but I would say of like the six people I know on my street, I'm probably the only one with a Nest thermostat. Okay. Um, That's where I'm at right now. I, I, I guess, I, yeah, I guess widely adopted might be a little stretch, too far of a stretch, but it's definitely being adopted. And um, at least like if I would mention Nest to most people, they may not own one, but they know what it is. Okay. I, I will give you that. Yes. Now, do you have a Nest? I'm just asking. Are you a Nest person? I Well, I rent. So unfortunately, I don't feel like investing... Oh, so into stuff to put in my rented apartment so no but i would 100 percent if i'm just curious if we want to really geek out about you know like (laughs) an eco bee person a nest a honeywell like where do we go i always i I do tell everyone i have the smartest apartment in columbus because for anything that's not a you know a permanent install or a thing that takes hard wiring i have one okay all right let's challenge accepted (laughs) let's go let's down the list what are we talking here i got the cameras Okay. Uh, I have cameras. I have the leak detectors. I have the door window sensors. Um, Let's back it up. Platform of choice. Smart things. Samsung smart things hub. uh, I'm going to. I'm going deep here. I'm going deep. That's hard. Um, I don't have any virtual assistant, uh, but I I have gifted. Wait, you don't have. But you don't have a Google Home or Amazon? No, Wait, I do you not. You said you just called your apartment the smartest thing, Haley. Come on. Well, maybe. Yeah, it's probably not the smartest. I'm never home, so it would just sit there and talk to itself all the time. That's not true. <laughs> well, I mean, you could maybe make it do that. Um, I, all right. So all right, so, you, so you have the hub, right? So what what, what are all your sensors running off of? The, um, they're like hubless. That's hub my or? preference. Oh. So wait, <laughs> what 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 sensors did you buy then, I guess? Um, so I have Roost water leak detectors. Okay. All no right. hub required. Okay. Um, Honeywell's cameras require no hub. They talk to my okay. Honeywell app. They're all connected. Gotcha. So I use all Wi-Fi devices. So they're connected to my Wi-Fi, hmm. which is also nice because right. when they go out, it notifies me. So then I'm like, hmm, my Wi-Fi must be out, which means, hmm, my electric is out right yeah. now. So that's always nice to know when you have no power before you get home. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a big fan okay. of hubless devices because then I don't. For one, I don't have to pay for an extra piece of equipment that does nothing but connect everything. And um, I also then don't have to have a poor installation process with the pairing of Bluetooth. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I use, I, I've got the Samsung SmartThings Hub, and it's, I mean, it's it's a mediocre experience at best. Um, but, um, but yeah, I was curious. So the sensor, so the Honeywell you said was the sensors on the doors? Um, no, that is a couple cameras. The cameras is Honeywell. I used um, Wally. It's W A L L Y. Okay. I thought they have like an all-in-one device, so we tested a few of those. Um, okay. So that lets me know when my door opens, or you can put on a window, whatever you want. But it also is taking yeah. the temperature and humidity um, as well. So it's nice to know, you know, near my patio door, it's the same temperature as my bedroom. You know, I can always sense the temperature of my apartment. I feel like so that uh, the temperature sensors because Nest just released uh, temperature sensors for like the Nest, like so you can put them in rooms. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like until we can actually control the airflow, like specifically to the rooms, I just feel like it's unnecessary information that's just going to annoy me because it's going to turn it on and it's going to jack it up and then it's like going to, you know, make my going to put you know one room is going to be really cool that needs it and then the other ones that were already good temperature i don't know no there's I a mean, company that's like uh, developing for one for me it's more thing. like i just like to especially in the winter time you know i travel a lot for work so if i'm gone for a week and all of a sudden my apartment's 50 degrees oh, yeah, oh yeah. my heat broke so that way i can read contact someone and something can be done um so yeah. when you think of like frozen pipes or just you know you're if 
it's the middle of winter in Ohio and your heat hasn't been on in a week, that's an issue. <laughs> so for me, that's it's, right. you know, it's more just like without having, cause I haven't put any, you know, to get what you're talking to, you have to put more dollars into your smart devices. I'm talking about a $20 water sensor. So just to have a peace of mind for 20 bucks is worth it for me. Cause if I see something is wrong, well then I'll manually do something about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, peace yeah, of mind. Yeah. No, what I, yeah, no, right. You're, no, basically, I'm just being a diva. Smart home diva is what I'm doing. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to uh, use that. Yes, please. Um, because um, no, because they. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to. If any uh, Nest, I'm sure they're listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> well, like, well, just because you know, it's like, hey, we're going to have these temperature sensors. They're pitching it. They're selling these, you know, these things to the public as like. Uh, you know, hey, you know what, know what the temperature in each room is. So if like your kid's bedroom is cool, you can have Nest, you know, turn up the heat. But it's not, it's not your furnace isn't smart, right? It's not actively sending more heat just to that room. It's just turning the furnace on to get that one room up to that temperature that is a little off. So and then your whole house is really hot. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so there's a, there's actually a company that's developing vents that actually open and close to like help kind of change oh, wow. the airflow. But like. Yeah, it's like I can't remember the name of it. I don't know if it was on Kickstarter or if it's an actual thing, but it was like like five hundred. It was like some ridiculous. I did the number it was like ten grand for like if I was going to do my whole house in vents. I was like, ah, I can wait. But oh, but think how um, nice that. Like I think of growing up and how your dad, or maybe it's just my uh, family. My dad always wants it sixty degrees. My mom wants it seventy five, and there's like this yeah. constant war of what temperature the house should be. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, I've turned into that dad. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's like, it's like I don't. I just, I didn't think I'd ever be here, but I am. And I just have to own it. Um, it's a dad. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it is. A, I don't know what it, I don't even, it doesn't even have that much of an impact, but it just, for some reason, <laughs> it's like when it goes up to a certain, it's just like, Oh, I just feel the money just going away. But anyways, <laughs> um, no, but, all right. So, all right. So we've got a very smart apartment. Um, but so, so here's, I think where I'm going with this and we just had a little fun for about 10 minutes. I hope everyone had fun with us. Um, the idea, right. Is that I feel like, you know, the adoption, the installation on some of these things can be challenging, right? So how how do we bridge that gap? How do we get there faster? Any thoughts, like anything that you've seen, like a successful adoption? Because technically, Haley, people could listen to say, oh, these young kids, millennials talking about their devices. Mm-hmm. It's, this is never going to work for me. Um, anything on that? Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing to solve is the kitchen table syndrome. And what that is, is you yeah. get a device and you sit on your kitchen table and then it just continues to sit there. So how can you really get the consumer to buy into the value add for them with these devices? Um, And the install process has to be seamless to a T because the moment frustration comes, forget it, I'm not doing this. Um, So I'm a big fan of, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, like the hubless solution. So I plug it in. The hardest part is you have to know your Wi-Fi password. So that's challenging. It's, sometimes. it's very challenging. So, but if that's the hardest part, that's on me. So, that's a good yeah. problem to have. Um, but you know, setting up with your Wi-Fi and you're done, um, and then not having to think about it. Um, I always ask, you know, like what's the battery life on these? Because um, a lot of them, if they're not powered uh, by electric, they're like the water det- um, detectors are all the batteries within it. I don't want to be changing that every year because what's going to happen is. I'm going to get the low battery signal and I'm never going to go change that. So now I have sitting around a bunch of water detectors that can't detect water. So I want like a five year at minimum battery life. So I know for five years, I don't need to think about that thing. 
until it detects water. Like that's the thing. You almost want it to be a mindless effort. You set it up and you never think about it again until you need to. So, oh, there's water in my basement. Then I, I'm thankful that's there. But other when a other than when a situation happens, you don't want to have to think about these devices unless they're a value add. So if the device can sense water, but also turn on my cool lights at night and, um, you know, there's really cool devices out there like speakers. I know Sonos and a few others have made speakers that can mimic dogs barking when someone rings your doorbell and or you sensing camera motion outside um, can play crazy noises that will make an intruder go away. So there's really cool things like that, that the thefts thing is a huge play right now and has obviously a huge value add to the consumer. So there's a ton of cool stuff going on in that space. But when it comes to like water and fire mitigation, it's not that exciting. So you want a very mindless, um, simple task, set it up, it's doing its job and you don't have to think about it. I mean, because I mean, honestly, like the water valve is is going to cover like eighty to ninety percent of like the things that are more likely to happen, mm-hmm. probably, right? Yep. Which is the holy grail for us. <laughs> what is in the state? Like you guys said, you're rolling out the smart home kind of thing. Is there like a starter, like State Auto Lab starter ho- smart home kit or something that you're going to like recommend and or you know package with whatever this thing is going to look um, like? We partnered with Roost, so they are a smart home telematics company. And it's simply a water detector because we wanted something that's low cost. We can give away to free for our consumers. Um, that made mm-hmm. sense. And it's easy to install all the things I already said. Um, and then also what's kind of cool, or which I think is really cool, but <laughs> um, is a smart nine volt battery that you can put in your um, dumb smoke alarm, if you will. And then you yep. can basically remotely monitor your smoke alarm. You'll know when the battery's going to go low before you hear the chirping at night. Um, you can know if the smoke alarm's ever going off um, when you're not home. And it even the battery listens. So it doesn't have to be the smoke alarm that the battery's in. Um, that specific one doesn't have to be going off. If it hears any frequency of an alarm in your home, it will notify you. So if the fire's upstairs and you have the battery downstairs, as long as it can hear the other smoke alarm, um, it basically creates a connected smoke alarm system in your home. Yeah, that's very cool, and that and that that's pretty low cost. You guys, are you sort of is that part of the water? Are you going to do yep, that? Yeah, the they water come together in a the, kit. Okay. Gotcha. And gotcha. it's at no cost. We're giving them away free with our homeowners policies, which is super exciting. And is that happening now or is that like, what's the... Later this month. Is it going to happen? So very, very okay. soon. <laughs> it's okay. happening in very May. Cool. So the, like the first person that will get a State Auto Labs like branded smart home kit is like coming in the next couple of weeks. Yes. Very cool. And now how have you started, like our agents kind of like adopting this? Are they embracing this? Or like, what's that conversation look like? Um, So obviously, we haven't launched the smart home one, but the agents will actually they're getting their first communication um, later this week or next. I don't even remember. But um, a lot of them, I've talked to a ton of agents, some get super excited about this. Some are still have the big brother, you know, kind of thought. Um, But again, you know, eventually consumers are going to be going out and buying these type of devices on their own. The the full adoption isn't there yet today. Um, but it's the same as I always think of like the smartphone, you know, it takes a while. There's an adoption curve. Um, so the fact that we can be on the forefront, um, giving these consumers the opportunity to get devices like this for no cost in their home, 
play with it, you know, give us feedback, have the agent be involved in that transaction. Um, I think it's super exciting for us as an insurance company to do something like this because it's really a value add on the consumer side just as much or not, if not even more um, to have these devices in your home for the peace of mind piece aspect of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think about what you can say, you know, I mean, right now it's a question, do you want water backup, yes or no? Or how much how much valuables do you have in your basement, right? It's like, hey, we better get that coverage on. Now it's like, oh, guess what? Not only can we, you know, make sure that we've got you know enough protection, but we can probably stop the family photo album from being destroyed in the first place with you know, a lot of this exactly. stuff, right? And like, think about it, you know, it, it might be a hard sell to someone who hasn't had their basement flooded. But for 20 bucks, you can buy these off the shelf today. Like, who wouldn't do that? Like, it's just, when you think about it like that, you know, your whole basement being flooded, you know, sit one next to the sub pump, buy the water heater for under 50 bucks. Like, make sure the basement's dry. (laughs) That's, to me, a huge, it's a no-brainer. And so I'm excited that, you know, State Auto can be the ones just, like, helping people make that decision. We're going to make it no cost for you. You'll have full control of the devices and there we go. So it's interesting that State Auto is one of the first companies, you know, just I'm not, you know, like you would think, I guess, let me ask this question. Why don't you think other insurance companies are kind of maybe seeing the value in this? Like what, what, what is it that has, has attracted State Auto to this kind of before everybody else? Well, to be honest with the smart home, um, many companies are doing things in this space. Um, so Nest, Honeywell, Roost, um, what are some of the others in this space? A lot of the smart home companies, Ring's a big one. They have full yeah. carrier relationships across the board, whether it's a direct-to-consumer carrier, a regional carrier, uh, independent agent carrier. A ton of agents have programs around the smart home. I don't think many that um, write through independent agents are there yet, quite yet. Um, a few are in the space. Yeah. But a lot of the big dogs um, have been doing this for over a year or so. Um, so I, we're definitely not the first to the table. Um, and so I think it's really just how the program evolves over time. There's been a lot of, you know, testing different devices, testing because it's a huge space. So figuring out what you're good at, um, where you're getting the adoption, how you're getting the adoption um, are all things carriers are still working through. But there's definitely a, a large number of carriers at the table um, in the smart home space. I'm going to get you out of here with this last question, Haley. If you could kind of snap your fingers and kind of visualize kind of in the next foreseeable future, like the the insurance world that you would like to live in shortly, what would that look like? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I would love to see a product that is really customized for me. So right now, insurance companies they offer this product that is off the shelf looks the same and basically we adjusted the rating of it based on what we know about you from public records things like that but what if we took that data and it customized the product in real time uh, based on my needs so how much do i drive my car how much am i actually in my home um, where's my home located who's in my home Um, What's my home primarily used for? Uh, What's my car primarily used for? And if all that was kind of went together to truly create not only the price, but the actual coverages I need. And I think that's where you get this on-demand that's really been on the rise, that on-demand insurance. 
and it's co- kind of combining that. And I, I don't suggest we go on demand, but really, how can we make a product more customizable um, at a carrier level? As long that goes right along with the price, I, I think that would be a pretty cool day because that's when the consumers will feel really comfortable paying the money for their product, knowing like this is exactly what I, Haley, need. Um, and also a world where, you know, inspection and claims, you know, becomes more remote and virtual, I think is coming. And I think it's super exciting. So how can we make the claims process, you know, in real time? We, in my opinion, I, we want to gather as much data up front without having to bother you as a consumer. How can we get as much data to, pos- to accurately settle that claim and keep you out of that nasty process as much as possible, but still at the end of the day, pay you as quick as possible and as accurately as possible. Um, that to me is like the goal for claims and which is super exciting with all the data rising and um, all the different sources of information and knowledge. So I don't think that's crazy out in the future, but to me that that'll be an exciting day where we can, you know, confidently and accurately settle claims without bothering the insured at all. <laughs> awesome, Haley. I'm going to leave it right there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was super exciting to talk about. I'm such a nerd, but this stuff is exciting for me to talk about.